everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk. Let's talk those movies. How you doing this week, Bill? I'm doing A-OK. I think that's a pretty common uh, response for me on this uh, podcast. Going on three years and I'm doing uh, (laughs) A-OK or just fine all the time. Um, You know, pleasantries of doing a podcast with somebody. Yes. Uh, other than that, um, not a lot going on personal life. Uh, June is kind of a dead month for me right now in between uh, all the wrestling shows that did last month and all the wrestling stuff I'm kind of going to in July. So I'm just hanging around, not going on any major adventures. Um, the New Japan Dominion show was this past Sunday as we're recording this. It was an excellent show. It was uh, one of the three times during the year I usually stay up and watch a New Japan show live. Uh, usually there's the G1 Finals, the Wrestle Kingdom show, and then there will be one show throughout the year that has a really good card where it's like, you know what, I gotta see that live. And oh boy, was it worth it. Uh, it was a five and a half hour long show. Jesus. Uh, that compared to WrestleMania flew fuck by. <laughs> it's so funny to me when I watch these super long New Japan shows that they are just like, they pace so well, they fly right by, it's great. Hell, like some of the other ma- major shows, like the big shows like Wrestle Kingdom, they don't have intermissions, but all the other shows do. And so even if I was watching live, I'm like, oh, cool, I have a little minute to get up and, you know, take a break and stuff. But, right. uh, you know, WWE's, you know, WrestleMania is just like, stuff, stuff. And by the end, you're like, God, why is this, why is this so goddamn long? Why, why does this need to be seven hours? Mm-hmm. But with the, the Dominion show is five and a half hours. It was excellent from top to bottom. Um, it's fascinating to see a wrestling card where you could, the two matches for the main event could easily be match of the year contenders, right? or at least on a list of match of the year contenders. And then you have a main event, which is a rematch from the match from January, which was considered the greatest match of all time, greatest wrestling match in like our history of the modern age, every all time. And so it's like, oh, cool. So we have all these matches, and then we have we're going to Omega Okada again. And so not only are they going on this stuff, they also have to top their last thing. And then they do, in my <laughs> personal opinion. I thought this match was much better than the Tokyo Dome match, which is saying something because the Tokyo match was uh, incredible. Phenomenal, yeah. Uh, so they had a, another match. Um, I, I, I will go ahead and spoil it because uh, it's all the news and it's it's wrestling and it's news. I w- it's no different than me saying that the Golden State Warriors won the NBA Finals. What? What? Uh, the match did end in a 60-minute draw. Holy shit. Uh, they wrestled for... It's not even like a slow WWE style like back in the day, 60-minute. No, it is a 60-minute. They are going for 60 minutes. And uh, it is the first time there's been a draw for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in 12 years. How was it a draw? Uh, it's uh, uh, it, There's time limits in Japan. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, there are, there's they have an hour, ti- hour time limit, so... Uh, the bell rang, and Okada was crawling across the ring trying to pin Kenny Omega, and he did not make it. Nice. He did not beat him. And Kenny Omega did not beat him, so that leads uh, great, leads great, because that means there will probably be a uh, third match down the line somewhere. Or, or, or rather, it could possibly be that Kenny beats Okada, so then they are 1-1-1, and Okada yeah. has to come back and make that a 2-1-1-1. Yeah. And well, there's there's great storytelling all around when it comes to New Japan. All the different things you can do and all the different directions you can go. Uh, they announced all the cards. There are Long Beach shows. They're going to be in July. 
and there's a great uh, tournament for the uh, IWGP United States uh, belt uh, that is exciting because you look at the card, like, even though there's tons of Japanese talent, any of these people could fucking win this tournament. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? Who knows? So, that was all. There's, there's the wrestle talk for this week's episode. Uh, check out New Japan Pro Wrestling. Great shit all the time. Uh, New Japan World, like eight bucks a month. Totally worth it. And I think that's about it for me. That's all. That's, that's the most exciting thing in my week so far. I mean, it sounds like an awesome thing. Yes. So I'm glad you did that. Thank you. I'm glad I did it. I got pancakes afterwards and they were okay. <laughs> I'm sorry that they were just okay. Well, you know, when you go to someplace, uh, you know, somebody's been before, and you're like, you know, I still have never tried their pancakes. And then you try their pancakes, and you're like, oh, you know, I don't think I'll be wearing these pancakes here anymore. Not quite Tootsie's Diner level of pancakes after wrestling? <laughs> Tootsie's was okay. Um, no, there's two other places we normally go for uh, pancakes, and did not go to those places, so. You know, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's just fine. Just fine. So, Steve, uh, how you doing this week? I'm doing pretty groovy. Um, just to let everyone know out there, uh, for the first time ever, an HD remaster of Slashing Hunter is available streaming. Uh, this was the uh, HD remaster I made for the uh, Hack Collection Blu-ray and also for the Survivor's Blu-ray uh, bonus features for the Slasher Hunter. Uh, but it's now streaming on Amazon Prime for free. For free? Well, I mean, if you have Amazon Prime, obviously. Well, yeah, I was just emphasizing the free part. So if you have a Prime membership, you'll know it's for free. Because sometimes there's stuff on there that isn't for free. That's true. Like these Transformers films. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, the, the fourth one was on Prime for a long time. Well, I own the fourth one, so I'm okay when it comes to that next week. Oh, that's good. Uh, Steelbook. <laughs> Jesus. really like that movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, if you got Prime, if you, for some fucking reason, haven't seen the Slasher Hunter yet, you have literally no excuse now. It's on Prime, and it's in 720p HD. Obviously not 1080, but I filmed that shit on 480, so you're lucky it's in 720. Yeah, it's gonna look fine. <laughs> uh, it's not a 4K, uh... <laughs> well, why should I even bother? Oh, yeah, why should you bother, Steve? I shouldn't. You fuck. I quit. Oh my god. I quit making movies. Uh, yeah, you did. Thank god. Boom. Before it's too late. Before it's too late, before the movie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much it. You know, I just wanted to get that up. Um, got the captions. Uh, so, you know, it might catch on like Super Task Force. I don't know. You know, people India that will love it. People that haven't seen it before. <laughs> might see it now and then it'll give me some more money and yeah i don't know why uh i was saying to bill before this podcast started um because super task force was on youtube as a series after the you know the film didn't make any money after two years yeah so i said fuck it and uh you know episode one got like four thousand hits and then every episode after that has gotten a thousand or less Except for episode 6, the mech battle, which is up to 46,000 hits. 90% of which is from the country of India. And I don't know why. Uh, you know why? Because CG battles... If it, No, actually, let me, let me go back a little bit. Turn that back a little bit. If uh, the modern filmmaking industry in Hollywood has taught us, 
foreign countries love to CG splooge fests. You know why? There's there's no dialogue. You don't need to. You just need to sit there and marvel in the spectacle. Mm-hmm. That's all, and that's all it's about. So you don't. You, there's no language barrier to badass robots beating the shit out of each other. That could be it. That could so. be it. Oh man, what if there was a Bollywood Super Task Force coming soon? It probably already exists. Probably. Oh, it's it's uh, ten hours long. <laughs> The events of the events of the, the film Super Task Force only take place in the last forty minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is everything else is about uh, the friendship of the two guys, the two bully guys, be, uh, t- you know, being mean to you before everything that happened to them before they came to talk to you. That's mm-hmm. what the film's about. Yeah, of course. Because that's how a lot of bo- the weird Bollywood knockoff films, the the Bollywood knockoff film of Jaws. It's very long, and it's about it, the most of it's about the teenagers at the beginning of Jaws. Well, yeah, and then course, what else they die because they die. Then the film actually takes place, where there's actually you know everything you you remember from Jaws of Brody and everything that stuff. Then that stuff happens. But no, you need a three hour music and dance film about the teenagers. But yeah, also in addition to that, uh, since I also mentioned to Bill, may as well mention here um, for those of you who wondered, you know, what YouTube money is like. I would like to share that. Um, my my channel has gotten like ten thousand hits this month. Oh no, I'm sorry, not ten thousand hits. Ten thousand minutes watched this month. I don't know how many hits offhand. And uh, I have made two dollars in revenue. Meanwhile, I have gotten twenty thousand minutes watched on Amazon Prime so far this month, which is a hundred dollars cash. Amazon, man, just tosses that money out there. Yeah, so uh, Amazon Prime, best way to support what you want to support. If it's on there, watch it on there. Don't watch it on YouTube. YouTube is dying. Well, it's probably not actually dying. It'll be around forever, but it's it is definitely not the best place for creators, in my opinion. Well, I if to segue a little bit, I mean, I don't know. YouTube's gonna be interesting in the next couple of years because there's you know fewer and fewer content creators are gonna looking at it as being a viable means of. Uh making a living in the quote-unquote you know, new media era, which is something I think a lot of people in new media were warning about in the last several years, where it's like, you know, don't, you, you thought people, especially like the Let's Play boom and everything that was happening, like, don't quit your day job, because there's no guarantee any of this thing, any of this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. And so now, if you had an established audience, you can at least go to Patreon, or you can have a Twitch subscription service, or you can have donations, which a lot of people on Twitch get. Yeah. And, you know, you can have that to back, you know, fall back on. But the days of, you know, making, you know, being like PewDiePie, I mean, people like PewDiePie and people on that and, Twitter and YouTube, they'll probably still rake in their, their six, seven figures and all type of stuff. But, like, it's, you know, like the average, average uh, you know, middling uh, account channel that's around the 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 subscribers, uh, they are definitely not going to be making any of that kind of money. Goodness, no. Because of all the advertisers that want stuff, and YouTube doesn't have any reason to care because they'll just not give your channel stuff or the, or the whole copyright stuff. They'll take your money. And it doesn't care. YouTube doesn't care because they're getting paid at the end of the day. Yeah. So why the fuck do they care about anything and that type of stuff? Which so now it'd be a matter of people are just going to move everything to like um, to like their own websites and have their own proprietary media players or. There's still Vimeo. There's still tons of other streaming mm-hmm. stuff out there. Or like I was kind of joking with Steve, I would be surprised if Amazon would come along and like open up their own streaming service. Well, I mean, Amazon is basically just a few steps away from it already. Like uh, sometimes I'll look at the related, the videos that are related, or like people also liked when I'm looking at Super Task Force on there. 
mm-hmm. and it is a weird selection of stuff that you would just assume is on YouTube. Yeah. Um, like it's some random shit fan camcorder kids stuff, but they made captions, so Amo's like, fuck it, sure. Yeah, they'll take the, they want content, they'll take it. Yeah. Because so, there's a market for that. So it's, it's kind of becoming that. I hope it doesn't become a too hard, though. I hope that there's still, I, I like this idea of the, um, of them at least having the, uh, speed bump of unique captions for your video before it's on Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that big of a deal. Anyone can do it if they want to put the time into it, or you have to pay someone else to do it for a couple hundred bucks. It's not that much of a um, hurdle, but it's just enough to prevent everyone from uploading everything to Prime. Yeah, well, I think, well, Prime's also still in the realm of movies. I'm saying, like, maybe Prime will actually make a legit, like, YouTube-like platform Oh, where you can, like, I'm sorry. Put stuff up there. That way, it's just an alternative, because I think the market is definitely looking for a, a good alternative to YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. Similar, like, like there's a need for alternative to Netflix. That's why there's Prime. That's why there's, you know, every, all these other companies are doing their own subscription services just to try to do something to make an alternative to Netflix mm-hmm. stuff. So it's always good for that. Plus, again, like, content creators are looking for a method or, you know, somewhere to go with all this stuff because mm-hmm. they can't make, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, a dependable living on YouTube anymore. And not, not a lot of them are even making a living. They're just making, a, you know, a good amount of money to make, the, like, to make what they're doing worth it for them for the time and effort because a lot of people do put a lot of work into their YouTube videos. Not everyone is just like Dark Side Phil, which is record, upload, don't edit, don't do anything to it, just toss it up on YouTube. There's some people that do put take time research putting stuff in there as a, as a passion there, but you know, you still want to have a reward for that because you, know, you still got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff. And not everyone has enough, of, you know, a lot, there's a, you'll notice a lot, there's a lot of uh, YouTube channels that have huge subscribers, but when you look at the, the actual like amount of views their videos get, it's actually very low. Yeah. I think when I look, always makes me laugh when I look at uh, Mega64's YouTube channel. I think there are over 300,000 subscribers, but like a good majority of their videos don't even like get close to that. Mm-hmm. Like, like usually like the podcast is like around 30,000, and then like a lot of the video, weekly videos are maybe, maybe 50,000, 60,000. You know, obviously, sometimes they get shared. Even the ones you think would be huge, they get shared around a lot. Those don't even go that, that like super, super high. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff, and they're they're you know they're again they're a group that's been around for fourteen years, well before even YouTube existed, right? And it's still it's, you know it's a tough thing for a lot of people. But then some guy would come along, make a video of uh, I don't know his cat playing in the trash, and it's like ah, and he'll get like you know ten million views, get, get his own television show, Nickelodeon, and yeah, man, the internet's weird. The internet's weird, Steve. Good thing we're in the world of podcasting, where there's all the money. All the money. All the money in podcasting, folks. Please give us money. There's people that do way more work than us, and they get, they get nothing. <laughs> so we're Bill doing and it right. I, we're rich. We're so rich. We're rich in podcast money. Podcast money is like Bitcoin, except it's not trading for twenty seven hundred dollars a piece. Man, I wish that I got into Bitcoin. It's trading for that, but who's paying that? Like, are people actually making money off of Bitcoin? I don't understand. I how mean, it, so, it all some works. people are, yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious who who is because I always say this stuff, but I, I don't I don't see anybody. If it's that easy, why aren't like all my friends doing it? I don't understand. Well, because now it's much harder to get a hold of because it's somehow a finite resource, even though it's digital, and I don't understand that whatsoever. Yeah, it's my understanding. It was set up to be where everything works off mathematical programs, and then when the system realizes there's enough in circulation, it will stop being able to be created, and then that is the amount in circulation. That's the amount out there. Mm-hmm. I just don't, yeah, but yeah, but there's also Dogecoin, that's still a thing. 
Like people, people just made all these other fake. Well, not fake because it's, it's it's traded. But people made their own cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. to compete with Bitcoin because, like, well, this is a dumb joke. I'm gonna make my own thing. That's why Dogecoin exists. Yeah, I legitimately I'm- saw like a lot of reputable, legitimate, uh, you know, e stores accepting Bitcoin and Dogecoin and other stuff as a means of payment. Great. What what world are we living in? I mean, you know, Bitcoin's as realistic as the U.S. dollar, so. I guess I just I just really don't understand it at There's all. There's nothing back in either of them. Just promise. It's magic internet money. My favorite thing when Bit like two years ago I think it was when Bitcoin jumped up like actually huge. Uh, some guy laughed because he had a hard drive with tons of it on there that he just threw away because Bitcoin is worthless for a long period of time. Yes, it was. And, and everyone kept making the joke. It's like almost like the the uh, the um, a mad 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 world where everyone's like out racing and trying to find this hidden treasure out in the world somewhere. Because <laughs> it's some dumpster somewhere. There's a hard drive with like a million dollars on it. No, probably more than that. Yeah. All right. Or other. I you know we knew. I knew some people uh, through other people who had Bitcoin stuff. Sold it. And the amount they sold it for, they could have bought a house if they would have held on to it. Yep. But you know what? If those people weren't selling their stuff uh, at the time for the lesser amount, it would have probably never gone up to that point, you know? Yeah, and it's the same. I always say the same thing with cards and mag- you know, magic cards, comic books. Like, yeah, you don't know, but that's that's the that's the gamble. You never know when something's gonna be worth something. Yep. I'm missed. I'm Mister Great Story Ever, where I had uh, issues one through I think fifteen or eighteen or around there of Walking Dead, all first printings. Sold them all for about 130 bucks. Thought that was a good deal. And then you know, lo and behold, like uh, I think we're 15 years later or so. I know it'd be around. No, I got that. Got that. I got did that in 2005, 2006. So about 11 years later, issue one alone is like what five thousand, six thousand dollars. Yeah, it's insane. I also sold my issue one for a lot less than that. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like I thought a good deal. It's like, but then you, it's like, oh, but who would have known there would be an AMC show and this huge explosion in popularity for The Walking Dead of all things. I uh, I sold my books and stopped reading because I thought I thought the comic was getting really lame and lazy at issues you know around you know fifteen eighteen. Yeah, I immediately were, found it boring. And here we are, over 100 issues later, and it's still this huge phenomenon. I don't understand. <laughs> Me neither. I'm at a like, loss. I, I started on it because, you know, the, all the comic, other guys at the comic store were like, well, I mean, it's a horror book, and you like horror. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I started reading it, and I'm like, so what's the idea of this? And they were like, well, I mean, apparently the creator says that it's like a zombie movie that doesn't have an ending. To which I responded, that sounds boring as fuck. There's a reason why zombie movies end. Yep. Because otherwise it's the same thing forever until everyone's dead. So I stopped getting the book. Remember George Romero's Toe Tags? That was like a miniseries DC put out. Yes. How come that didn't get blown up? I have all those still. Eventually, Bill. Why can't that get a movie where the comics are worth $6,000 a piece? Mm-hmm. Hook me up over here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, speaking of come on, Ivan Reitman has some ideas for the future of Ghostbusters. Um, basically saying stuff, you know, I think... Thinking with a lot of fans are thinking of, like, A, he realizes that it probably was a mistake not to have the, the most recent remake, remake film be connected to the old films. And also, maybe, if they're going to make more films, do, like, what some other fans thought that they should have done. Just make uh, Ghostbusters, you know, Union out in another city, like San Francisco. Or, like, he was suggesting in China or Korea, so you can deal with Chinese ghosts or Korean ghosts. Which, that'd be cool. Have, like, a Chinese Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, where they're cool. fighting all, you know, the weird, like, bouncing vampires and all the other weird, like, Chinese ghost mythology and shit. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. I'd okay. see it. Italian fat. 
It'd be pretty neat. I would love yeah. to see the Ghostbusters bust the chick from the ring. Yeah, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, kick her in the face. <laughs> or hell, I mean, we kind of, you know, that's, I mean, do it in Japan. I mean, that, all that type of stuff is really popular, like Yokai Watch and stuff. Well, Yokai Watch is awesome, so. Yeah, so it's like that, but go, it's like Ghostbusters. Oh, my swirls. So, that's about it for news. Oh, yeah, there, I just, we just talked about this. Uh, there, we also got the uh, Black Panther trailer. Mm-hmm. What'd you think about that, Steve? The internet is losing their mind. They're making all the memes of, like, this was me beforehand, but when I'm seeing Black Panther, I'm wearing traditional Af- African garb. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I... It, uh, I don't know. It's... The movie looks potentially good, but I say mm-hmm. that about a lot of Marvel films. <laughs> um, the trailer itself wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was just I felt like it was too quick cutting the music was super generic uh, all the actors look great mm-hmm. I like the fact that there's one shot of Angela Bassett with white hair and she looks more like Storm as a side character in Black Panther than Storm ever looked in any of the Fox films fuck you Halle Berry <laughs> fuck you Halle Berry piece of shit Storm, Catwoman, who's next? <laughs> who are you going to destroy? um I, I mean, I like the actor that plays Takala. I think it would be interesting to have a film that takes place, you know, in another country that's not, like, super connected to the Marvel films. Um, Doctor Strange had some fun with that, the way it was able to keep its distance at arm's length and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to need a really good fucking explanation as to how um, the entire world thinks Wakanda is a third world country when satellites exist. How no one notices that they have flying cars in a fucking metropolis. Well, Steve, as we learned in the day's film, you just gotta get, uh, you know, Deep Wang to black out areas you're mapping satellites. It makes no fucking sense. Everyone thought it was in South America, but it's actually in Africa. I wanted the response to be like, yeah, we know, we have, it's on the map. Yeah, here, it's right here. Everyone knows where it is. It's a country. Why do you, why are you acting like this is fucking Atlantis? Gollum. Uh, Andy Serkis is awesome in that trailer. Well, yeah, Andy Serkis is always awesome. I love Andy yeah. Serkis. Yeah. I think Doctor Strange should uh, track down that uh, detective, though. I think they could solve crimes together or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it could be a good movie. You know, I like Doctor Strange. I legitimately liked Doctor Strange, so maybe Marvel has learned its lessons from what I felt Phase 2 completely was, although Civil War did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm open to it. I'll see. Could be generic. Um, it's probably going to get a pass, but every Marvel movie seems to get a pass these days, no matter what it is. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to bite my tongue and just watch the movie. Yeah, I'll wait and see. So far, it looks generic, and it probably will be just a generic Marvel movie. But, you know, for um, people of different skin tones than ours, it is obviously important for them to see stuff like that. Although, similar to Wonder Woman, I will say the same thing of, well, these films already exist like this. You can see tons of great films of great, you know, black casts and black leads and doing badass things. Mm-hmm. Just like you can see films of badass women, you know, female leads. You can already do that. I don't know why you need Wonder Woman to be your, like, your icon. I don't. Mm-hmm. I need it. I'm, I'm a 35-year-old woman. I needed a role model like Wonder Woman. Uh, I don't know. Amelia Earhart, Murray Curry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Just to name a few, I don't know. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Ripley. Oh, Ripley. Uh, there was this fucking Supergirl movie. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, one of my you buddies. Read comic, you could read comics. Comics have female characters in them already. 
<laughs> right. You could have just read a Wonder Woman comic book and had her your entire life. I don't know why you need a film to do this for you. My one friend uh, made a status update when he was like in the theater, and he was all like, "Oh, about to watch the f- watch the first ever female lead comic book movie with my girlfriend." And people just kept on making comments like Supergirl, Tank Girl, Elektra. Steve, this one's good. I mean, I like Supergirl. Supergirl is not that bad. The only problem is the film ran out of money. <laughs> I I agree with that. No, that's no the biggest issue with that film. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, it's just like they exist. Yeah, but they weren't good. Maybe you know, we can do it better. There's no argument with that. It's just it always blows my mind when people say this is the first when it is clearly provable to not be the first. Well, just like the whole thing of uh, Black Panther. This is the first black superhero movie. A blank Man, Meteor Man, Steel, Human, uh, the human, human Tornado, Tornado, Dolomite. Uh, <laughs> you could, I could, you could argue most of black exploitation films are black superhero films. That's basically, right. basically, yeah. black uh, you know, uh, Black Dynamite. That's a superhero film. <laughs> He's a superhuman. He threw that shit before he even walked in the room. Michael Ty White was also in um, Universal Soldier: The Return and and Spawn. Yeah, Spawn's also technically a black superhero film, a black comic book superhero film, like right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad we couldn't get Michael Ty White to be Black Panther. Too bad we couldn't get Michael Ty White to be like a lot of characters. Yeah. Poor, fucking Spawn. <sighs> fucking Spawn. Spawn really hurt his career. <laughs> Which is too bad because he's awesome. That oh no! Totally, not. yeah, and Michael that J. film was not rules. at all. No, it, it suffered a lot of problems. I remember liking it as a kid, and then I got it on Blu-ray, and then I watched it, and it was really bad. And I was watching it with my wife, and she had never seen it before, and I was just embarrassed the whole time. Were you, were you mostly embarrassed for all the uh, John Leguizamo parts? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they got worse and worse. I mean, like it starts off okay. It starts off like, oh, uh, that's a kind of a dated pop culture reference, but that's not, that's harmless. Like, oh, the entire cast of ER couldn't put you back together. Okay, whatever, that's a quip. And then it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, the Blu-ray version is the uh, extended, uncut, R-rated version of the film, which Good. has a whole lot more clown in it. Yeah, that's what you need. A whole lot more clown jokes. More of that. Oh, the suit still looks good. Yeah, the practical suit. Then it's like the the seat, the the cape stuff. And like, I mean, it aged little. horribly, but I can at least appreciate what they were trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll shit on that movie all day long if you let me, but I won't be like, oh, CG shit. Like, yeah, no shit. It was '97. They were trying. That's yeah, fine. Cool. In ten years, we'll look back at Doctor Strange's cape and think the same thing. Right. I mean, Doctor Strange's cape already kind of looks bad, in my opinion. <laughs> like, it doesn't look good on the screen. It's very uncanny valley. It looks like it's just floating behind him. And not, not the way that they wanted. Mm-hmm. It looks like a cartoon. Well, speaking of weird cartoons, uh, let's get to this week's uh, Transformers film. Uh, we are at the at the third third film in the uh, you know the, the retrospective look. You know, during this tenth anniversary celebration of Transformers, the film franchise brought to us by Michael Bay and such. Uh, this week, we're looking at Transformers: Dark of the Moon, two thousand eleven. PG-13, 2 hours, 34 minutes. The Autobots learn of a Cybertronian spacecraft hidden on the moon and race against the Decepticons to reach it and learn its secrets. Neat. Uh, yeah, that's that's certainly, like, maybe five minutes of the plot of the film. <laughs> if they stuck with that, that would have been a really good movie. 
Yeah, uh, like that. Yeah, that'd be like this is like part one, and then part two could be all the other shit. So we could actually have some emotional connection to something, to where when this big betrayal happens in the film, it actually means something. Not just well, I just met you like ten minutes ago. I don't know why. I well, okay, why? why I don't know why this matters to me. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Uh, so I'll be uh, going back to how we've kind of done the last two episodes. Uh, I think it's since it's kind of an anniversary retrospective thing. Uh, Steve, uh, what did you think when you first saw Dark in the Moon in theaters? And then what did you kind of, what was your kind of general thoughts when you rewatched it now? And did they change it all? Then, then we'll do that for each of us and then go into our in-depth discussion of this fine piece of cinema. Okay, so let's, uh, let's flash back to when this film came out. Flashback. Um, I was in a horribly abusive relationship with a horrible cunt. <laughs> um, just want everyone. That's true. <laughs> um, at the time, this was this movie was a big deal. This was a big deal because this was going to be Michael Bay's last Transformers movie. He was he was confirming it. This was the last Michael Bay directed Transformers movie. So he was going to pull out all the fucking stops. He was going to do everything that he could. He was going to do everything that he missed. This was his last round as director. No more after this. There's going to be a new director, new vision, probably the same continuity, but a new director after this. Mm-hmm. So everyone, especially me, was really excited to see what Bay was going to do. Now that, especially after Revenge of the Fallen sh- show that, like, he really got, like, robot action and the characters and stuff. What he was going to do with this finale movie, basically, for himself. Um, and when I first watched the film, I was like, I think my opinion was that was okay, but holy shit, what a letdown. What a disappointment. So many missed opportunities. I remember walking out of the theater being like, man, I'm really glad that, you know... They put the wreckers in this to do fucking nothing. Oh man, I'm really glad that uh, they killed Starscream without ever giving him the rest of his Seekers. Or in this universe, just his jet teams and Seekers are another thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm glad that uh, all the main Decepticons are dead and pretty much all of them died really shit deaths. I'm glad it's, it's all over now. And that was my reaction walking out of the theater. Mm-hmm. Today, I dislike the film even more. <laughs> um, I don't think it's a good movie. I think that the missed opportunities are painstakingly obvious, even keeping in mind that Bay came back for four and now five. Uh, mm. There's still a lot of waste of potential in this film. There's still characters that was put in just to get put in that get heavily underused, uh, whether they're Decepticons with one eye or basically the Autobot Suicide Squad not being allowed to have any fun. Mm-hmm. Um very key main Decepticon villains dying just to die. Starscream especially goes out like a bitch. Uh, it's just, the movie starts off interesting, which is the opposite of the other two Transformers movies. Well, no, because Act 1 and Transformers 2 is good. I'm sorry. Um, but the human yeah. stuff is actually really interesting in this film. And then everything goes to shit. And just gets weird and boring and uneventful. And I'm so bored out of my fucking mind. The entire time they're in Chicago, the only, like, there's two parts of the film that I like in Chicago, which I'll wait till we get into the discussion to talk about, mm-hmm. but it's just an uninteresting movie with a ton of wasted potential. I know I said that three times, but it's the best way to describe this film. Transformers wasted potential, gotcha. Yes. Uh, I'm very similar to Steve, except I think I hated it just as much as I do now as I did back then. Mm-hmm. Uh Back when I first saw it, I walked out of the theater just very furious at this film. I didn't understand uh, 
why it was why a lot of things happened in it. I did not understand. I, I um, my biggest complaint from the first two films at the time was where's Shockwave? Where's Shockwave? Where's Shockwave? Because Shockwave is one of my favorite characters in the Transformers mythos. Because Shockwave is fucking badass as all fuck, especially if you read the Marvel comic books from the eighties. And, uh, so when we finally get Shockwave, uh, he says Optimus, then he spends the rest of the movie growling, and then he just dies. Yay. Uh, I waited, this is the third, the third film, I, I waited to this point to get my, this character, and this is what I get. Uh, I was, I was similar, I don't think I was as pissed about the Soundwave stuff, because I w- had not been waiting as long for Soundwave, because I kind of got Soundwave the first time, and I think in my utter shock of what it was going on with Shockwave, kind of, uh, um, softened what I was getting with fucking Soundwave in this film. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that here in a minute. But uh, this movie fucking <laughs> sucks. This movie sucks my fucking dick. It is so fucking worthless. Yes, it is worthless. Uh, positives. Let's get into positive discussion on this film. Because we, we like we always say, we always, there's positive and negatives to everything. We try to give these films a fair shot. We've done this and everything, even some of the garbage fucking Puppet Master films. Uh, so Steve, what? let's start with you, baby. Some, some specific positives on Transformers Dark of the Moon. I love Sam Witwicky. I love him so much in this movie. Holy shit. The, he just keeps on getting angrier and angrier. I love his job interview bullshit and how horrible that goes for him. Um, I like how he's just consistently saying, like, I fucking saved all you motherfuckers' lives twice. And I keep getting shit on. I love his Nicolas Cage-level freakout at the soldiers at the base. Holy shit, I was in tears. The first time I was in tears when I rewatched this movie last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a Red Lantern in this movie. <laughs> uh, and he has some legitimately good stuff. I, I appreciate when he looks at the human villain whose name I don't remember and outright says, I'm going to kill you. Like, that's not what Sam Witwicky would have said in the first two movies, and I appreciate that. You know, I feel yeah. like he has had a very natural, very fair character progression in these three films. As, mm-hmm. I, as I've said before, he reminds me of Ash. It's a very easy-to-do, um, realistic progression of a human in, like, three movies. Because I feel like most people will go through a similar thing, but a lot of sequels and stuff don't do that. Sam absolutely goes from weak to uh, stepping into the shoes of a hero to just sh- fucking sick of all this shit. And I love that. Um, I like this actress a whole lot better than Megan Fox. Oh, okay. Um, I do. I'm sorry. Uh, clearly we disagree on that. We have, yep, that's in my negative section, so you have the floor right now. That's fine. Um, I don't, I'm not saying she's good, I'm just saying I like her more than Megan Fox. Um, a lot of the humor in Act 1 worked for me, not all of it. You know, I think Michael Bay always goes a little too far with, hey, I'm gonna put really weird human characters in these Transformers movies. You know, between John Malkovich and Senor Chang. Yeah. Um, a little weird, but you know, again, the humor kind of worked for me. I was laughing, that's all that matters. Even if it's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, I like the mythos. I liked Act 1's plot. I like the idea that they found this Transformer ship. That's why we went to the moon. I like that the Decepticons called it off. That's why we stopped going to the moon. I like the fact that the John Glenn is just like, yeah, we found a fucking Transformer. It was fucking hype as shit. Um, you Buzz Aldrin? I meant Buzz Aldrin, damn it. I'm an idiot. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin's in this film. Yeah. Um... Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that they have another Prime, Set No Prime, voiced by Leonard Nimoy, you know, Transformer alumni. He hasn't really done anything else, uh, but it's good for them to give another Transformers voice actor a job. Mm-hmm. 
And I like the fact that we finally see Soundwave, Starscream, and Megatron on screen at the same time for the first time and only time in the series. Yep. And that's it. No, there's two things I liked in Chicago. And I'll say those two things. One, when Prime shows back up after getting caught in some ropes because they didn't know how to write Prime out of the action scene because he's too overpowered. But after that, when he comes back... I like when he kills, like, 15 Decepticons rapid-fire in, like, one shot. Mm-hmm. Also, his line of, we're gonna kill them all. <laughs> I, I got some quotes here. Hold on. I wrote down specific quotes. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll kill them all. And then he also said, you die. You uh, die. Yeah. Murder Prime. Murderous <laughs> um, Prime. Um, and I, on- I liked the actual climax fight between... Sentinel Prime, Optimus, and Megatron. I thought that was like a cool scene that was pretty effective. Although it ends with Optimus murdering Megatron for literally no reason. In like five seconds. Like five seconds. Like he, Megatron is no threat at this point whatsoever. He saved Prime's life and Optimus' reaction is, you die. Fucking murder you. You're nothing without me. We'll see about that motherfucker. (laughs) I'm cut your face in half. Uh, get fucked. Get fucked. Uh, and then the movie just ends. Just a very yep. harsh ending. Bye. Bye. Just Optimus <laughs> standing there with fucking one arm, and Sam comes up like, "Hey, Optimus, what's going on? You want me to kill you too? Okay, I'll just stand over here." <laughs> <laughs> Who else wants to die? Jesus Christ, Prime! Can you turn into like an old truck from the '80s and just hide until Mark Wahlberg finds you? Uh, murder is the right of all sentient beings. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's my entire list of positives. Just those that, like, oh. Act 1 in general, I do like a lot of the human stuff, as I said. But, mm-hmm. like, as soon as we get the quote-unquote, like, twist, everything goes downhill for me. Yeah, uh, I, I also agree. Like, rewatching it, I enjoyed the first act a lot better this time around. Uh, but there's actually a, there's a definite point, and I will point, uh... Specifically to Ken Jeong as Jerry Wang, a.k.a. Deep Wang. Deep Wang. What was the point of any of that in this film? It was very reminiscent of, of the cop at the jail scene in the first film. When he's all like talking talking smack to Shia and Shia's all like, are, are you crazy? Like that, that's that. But it's cranked up to 11. And uh, why is it in this film? Uh, why, is, why is John Malkovich in this film? Why is, why is Alan Tudyk in this film? Why is... <laughs> Why there's so many things in this film going on? I don't understand. Like we talked before, there's kind of the um, the whole cast of thousands thing that happens in all these type of big disastrous films. Like uh, uh, the the um, I, I did this. I'm forgetting the name again. Who's the director of Independence Day? Oh, uh, Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. I did this. I did totally blanked on this in the first episode for this series. And yeah, it's like the same thing. But this film is like cranking up. There's too many fucking people. It's, I'm sorry, I was moving into negative territory. Sorry, I gotta calm my nerves. Gotta calm my anger. Put in a little box. Uh, I did agree. I really enjoyed Sam for a lot. I think, I think Sam's character progression is overall pretty solid. Oh, I also really like Laserbeak. I forgot to say yes. that. I like Laserbeak. Yes, Laserbeak. That's all. <laughs> I do actually. I will say I do have some legit appreciation. Uh, that Wheelie is like Tom Kenny. Like they have for like pretty much all the Autobots and Decepticons, we do have actual voice actors mm-hmm. doing the voices. We obviously have Frank Welker back doing uh, Soundwave and all that type of stuff. 
Uh, so we we really just you know have uh, Hugo Weaving as like the only actor actor doing a, a voiceover. And, as far as I and he doesn't do it anymore after this movie. He certainly doesn't. We move on to you know pretty pretty good straight up just bigger voice and better things. I mean, we do get some Ken Watanabe, but and John Goodman, but John, they've both they, done a consider considerable amount of uh, voice acting. I would, yeah, that's it. what I was going to say. They've actually done voice; they weren't just actors given a voice role. They're guys that have done a lot of voice acting, so they actually understand what it takes to be a voice actor because it is a mm-hmm. different type of acting. It is. That's all. Sorry. That's <laughs> the whole. That's the whole strike going on for video game voice actors and all that stuff going on right now. Which uh, it's funny that does not get nearly enough press as I thought it would be getting. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for like two months. Yeah, like that. Um, but no, I like I like uh, yeah getting Nimoy back as uh, Sentinel was a good good reference back to him playing Galvatron in Transformers the movie. I do enjoy the Spock reference at the beginning of the film when Wheelie's watching television. He's like, "Oh, this is the one where Spock loses his mind." It's like, "Aha!" That's foreshadowing for this film. I appreciate that they also literally had him quote Star Trek. Yes, I thought it was fun. Needs the many outweigh the needs of the few. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's look at my list here. Yeah, I do, I guess, I was, like I was saying, I do like the character progression for Shia, uh, for Sam Witwicky, for Shia LaBeouf there. I like how, uh, there's some legit, you know, legit character moments for him, where he's, he's talking to John Malkovich's character, saying, you know, I saved your life twice, and you, I can't even tell you about it, and I can't get a job or do anything. There's some actually, actually some good moments here. It's just too bad it's just surrounded by stuff that just kind of really ruins any of the weight of any of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin got a paycheck for this movie. Fuck Yeah. Uh, I will say, like the you know the biggest gripe everyone has with the with with Michael Bay is, or in these films was like how all the human stuff. But each film gave us more and more robots. Like this film has like tons and tons of robot stuff mm-hmm. in it compared to the previous film. So I, I mean, I, I will always give Michael Bay credit. At least he's trying to improve on criticism he gets. Right. And even on to like when we get to Age of Extinction, and then I, from everything we're seeing about last night, it looks like we even even more robot stuff. Like we're focused even more heavily on robot stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I definitely want to point that out and give give props to that. You, you covered a lot of my positives, so I'm trying to look, glance over my notes, see what I got here for good for good uh, positives. Um, oh, I, I, here, I really Steve. enjoyed Sam fixing his car. In front of his girlfriend's place of employment. Uh, yeah, I will say the comedy. Like I said, overall, like I would say, uh, maybe most of the comedy in film is actually a lot better this time. Yeah, I, compared to the first film. Yeah, compared to I'd say even compared to the first two films, I think the comedy in this film is the most on point. Yeah, I definitely meant to also say the second film. The second film, the comedy was rough. This time around, yeah, he's like beating it in with his fucking foot. So I don't think I, <laughs> and it's, I don't it's think like a it. hard cut to it too. Like it's the. <laughs> He's so angry. He's so angry. Yeah, I almost got it. Yeah, it's almost done. Yeah, almost got it there. Oh, that's great. Uh, and then another positive, as I also met, agreed with you, uh, Murderous Prime. Uh, the end of the film when he just fucking murders Sentinel Prime, just blows his fucking face off when he's begging for mercy. Oh my god! I, I that that was like one of those moments in the theater I did legitimately laugh at and go, "Oh my fuck, what?" Yeah. God damn. If this was like, these are like ro- CGI robots with real people, this film would be hard R. Oh, yeah. Christ Jesus. Uh, that's that's it. That's really it for my positives. I'm sure if someone else comes to mind we're getting into all the garbage, dumb bullshit in this film, I will make sure to make mention of it. Yeah. Uh, so, Steve, uh, why don't you kick it off? What, what's some of your, what's like your major first major negative of this film? Uh... If I say uh, wasted potential again, will we lose our 12 listeners? 
I know. I think we'll gain more listeners because it's the internet. If you're super negative all the time, everyone will listen to you. Um, uh, uh, just fucking shockwave. Holy shit. Fucking the wreckers. I remember like describing to my friends that were going to see the movie with me that weren't big Transformers fans. Like they knew the original cartoon. They like saw the movies, but they didn't know any of the mythos or the lore or anything of the comics or the other series. So as soon as they announced the records for the movie, I was losing my fucking shit. And I kept on describing people who were like, oh no, it's fucking awesome, guys. You don't understand. Wait till you see the fucking movie. You see, the records are like this fucking, they're these crazy ass Autobots that they, that Optimus sends on fucking suicide missions because they wreck everything. They get sent on suicide missions because they get shit done. So if they're in this movie, they're going to fuck shit up. It's going to be insane. And then they see the fucking movie and they shoot a little bit as cars and then they, untie Optimus, and I'm just, like, tapping my foot, tapping my foot, and then there's a shot where Optimus says, uh, Wreckers, we need a distraction, and I start cheering in the theater, and then they drive away, and that's all. And that's the whole movie. Like, that's a description of the whole film. I can appreciate the twist of Sentinel Prime being bad, but I feel like the entire plan they have makes no sense. No, it makes zero sense. I don't understand how they think even literally every human being on Earth would be an effective slave population to rebuild Cybertron. That doesn't seem effective whatsoever. No, it does not. You have robots. You're big, giant robots, so you could do a lot more work than this. I, I thought your plan, if your plan was like some means to get Energon so you can make more Transformers or something. Yeah, especially because... Which, did you need the AllSpark for that? I thought you need the AllSpark for that, but then you're on like Saturn's moon doing something and you don't need the... Well, I, mm. Like maybe you should be using the Space Bridge to find more Energon to make more Transformers to bring Cybertron back to life, guys. Yeah. We could do that. Um, I don't like how Soundwave was taking orders from a human being well his his dad his dad uh did that so he had to do that still stupid the whole plan i actually you're glossing over the big my biggest issue with this whole plan uh when did they come up with this plan like when was all this initiated because megatron has been frozen on earth for a really long time Really, really long time, and then Sentinel Prime just crashed on the on the moon in like in the sixties. In the sixties, actually, like 50, 61, 59, somewhere around there. So when when did they have this conversation about this? Apparently, right before, I guess. And Megatron got to Earth way faster somehow. I don't understand. Also, and was then... it was their plan to make a slave population of humans based on like the eighteen hundreds technology humans had at the time? Or, I, what I, I, my brain hurts trying to think about this, because, like, why, where did all these Decepticons come from? They're on the moon. Like, did they not want to wake up, Sent, like, Sentinel Prime? Oh, no, and, they couldn't, because they needed the Matrix leadership. They needed the Matrix, okay, sorry, sorry, thank you. I didn't mean that to say that, but just, like, where, That was the one part on of the plot that I thought was actually kind of cool. The fact that the Decepticons led them to Sentinel because Optimus had the only way to bring them back. Gotcha, That's the okay. only part I liked. This conversation's good, because I, okay, I, okay, good, that clears that up, because I thought, I, I wasn't necessarily mean that, but they're just hiding on the moon. They're sleeping. There's just, like, I, what gets me about all these films, like, the, the, the fourth film makes sense, because they're all made, and I understand all that. I understand everything in the fourth film, like, where they come from, but where did all these Decepticons come from that are just hiding on the moon in ships under underneath the moon? Like, how long have they been there? Uh, more than a week. 
<laughs> and they're just hiding all this stuff, and nobody noticed all the, that's, uh, and then on top of it, um, if, if all the stuff for the space, the space bridge, or they go out into space, why did you have to bring them to Earth and then send them into space? You're already on the moon, and you have ships that can fly around in space around the Earth. You have lots of them. Why, uh, why did you need to, why did you need the building in Chicago to start the space bridge? Why can't you do it on the moon? Well, it's Trump Tower. I don't understand. Donald, why Donald this, Trump's Decepticon. Confirm. People want G1 Transformers. And this plot is as stupid as one of the... Like, as stupid as a fucking Headmaster's plot. That show is fucking ridiculously stupid. And you want more of that in your movies, but you're getting it, and it's dumb. It makes my brain want to seep out of my ears. Yeah, like... A lot of people shit on the plot of Revenge of the Fallen. And I won't defend that it's well-written or a good plot. Mm-hmm. But I think that plot makes way more sense than this plot. In oh, absolutely. Every it's, very, way. it's very simple. It's simple. We need to turn this machine on to harvest the sun for Energon. You're done. That's a, that's a plain plan. I understand it completely what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And the Fallen can't come here because he's afraid of Optimus Prime. And his downfall is that Optimus Prime just comes back to life and kills him. Boom. That's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But we're going to team up to bring Cybertron here using a method that is not exactly working well that we're using it. And there's a big time issue here. And I then I have an aneurysm and I collapse. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. I, this film is... It, and it, we'll, get, we'll talk about this a bit more next week. But people call the fourth film the worst film in the franchise, Steve. And I don't understand it. I don't understand I, it. I understand too long. I understand the criticism too long. That's fine. I understand the criticism of, I don't like how the fucking robots transform with that cube shit. That's fine. But the fourth film is the best film. It has a very simple plot. It doesn't like go out of its way to make things overly complicated. It doesn't have a needless like betrayal of a character we met and really has only been on screen for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. It has no weight. All the most weight comes from him killing Ironhide. And sadly, that doesn't mean very much because what is what have we seen of that character? <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing the movie in the theater and they gave Ironhide that big scene. Like he was the mm-hmm. star of that scene, and I saw that and in my brain out not in my brain, I said it out loud to like my friend next to me. I outright said, like, hey, I'm glad they finally gave Ironhide a spot. Oh, he's gonna die now. Like, it, that's, like, that's the only reason they gave him that thing. And Sideswipe was pretty cool, too, I guess. Oh, those Decepticons look like Predators. Yeah, the Dreads, yeah. as they're listed here. I mean, the Dreads, they look cool. There's Hatchet, but... Crowbar, and Crankcase. They actually have names. Oh. Yeah. I'm actually looking at this Wikipedia list, because I'm trying to figure like, obviously on this stuff, we also had, uh, we had Sideswipe, we had, uh, we had Mirage. Oh, though he's called that... Dino. It does, like, nothing. And we had Brains. Who's who called? Does, who just, it gives, like, two weapons. No, Brains is Wheelie's partner. Uh, what was the other? Oh, his name, he is actually Wheeljack. However, in the movie, they call him Q. And I, oh, that's right. And I don't know why Michael Bay called Mirage Dino and why they called Wheeljack Q. I have yet to find an explanation for that. Well, you should uh, you know, message the, the scriptwriter. It wasn't the fucking scriptwriter because it was in Mirage and Wheeljack in the script. Michael Bay oh. dictated that change during like the voice acting. That's strange. Very. 
Well, uh, we'll just have to ask Michael Bay sometime. What's up with that, Michael Bay? But it was it was weird. I mean, Mirage Mirage looked fucking hype as shit. Like I loved his design. He has the like the Giver arm swords. Yeah. And he has fucking harpoons and shit. And then the wreckers, the race cars, and you know whatever. The target one looks dumb. But the other two look hype, and I like that they're covered in guns everywhere. Mm. Um, Why well, does Jolt or Jolt go? I mean, we could all say skits and mud flap, but in the comic, apparently they're there, they die, but yeah. they know there's no explanation about Jolt. They explicitly put Barricade in this movie to show him dying, since they never showed him dying in the previous films. Yes, even though he's back. He's back at five. <laughs> I feel like Actually, I feel like Barricade is the true Starscream of this universe in the sense that his spark is indestructible. No, he's Waspinator. <laughs> or Waspinator. <laughs> he just can't die. Oh my god, yeah. I want Waspinator in a movie. Uh, maybe, maybe the next, maybe the the spinoff films. We get a spinoff spin-off Waspinator film. Hey. But yeah, the same thing. Like, I mean, they kill Ironhide. That means it merely it meant something in Transformers the movie because they were killing off all your favorite characters, like Ratchet, Ironhide, all these people are being killed. This time he just dies, and it's like, okay, bye. I, 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 I'm sad because you killed Ironhide. I know who Ironhide is, but in this film, it mean it meant nothing to me. Mm-hmm. And like Sentinel Prime betraying them, it's like, oh. He betrayed us. I okay. I sure. Like if it was Bumblebee that betrayed them, I'd I'd be like, oh, whoa, yeah, shit. I agree. But no, it's just it's just Sentinel Prime. Who I don't I don't know who this guy is. I have no connection to this guy except he's old and he's like a Prime's friend. Great. And I mean, I I, I do admit I do admit the way he like tur- tur- turns on everybody. He's badass. He's like fucking kills Ironhide. He's going through nests, like destroying everything, being a total fucking badass. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me. Like they are so easily able to take down all Decepticons, like it's nothing with like with barely any equipment. But like just one Autobot going through their base, they are just helpless. It's it's the ninja uh, equation. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, um, if it's one ninja by himself he is an unstoppable invincible killing machine if there are many ninjas they lose their power and become faceless goons that get knocked out in one hit yeah that's fair yeah so the more ninjas the more number of ninjas that you have the less effective they are and the easier they are to defeat as a group so it's like that with the decepticons if you have a bunch yeah. they go down in one punch if it's just one decepticon oof good luck motherfucker uh, so that, there's the story stuff, and uh, yeah, that's the bulk of this. Uh, JF, the, JFK yeah, they, looks awesome, doesn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, the CG JFK. Whoa, that was rough. <laughs> it's funny because like even, the first shot looks okay because it's the grainy black and white shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a good way to work around that. And then they cut to a grainy color shot. I'm just like, oh, I don't know about this, but okay, okay. And then they cut to an actual full HD shot. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> What I will say, though, I do feel like that the Transformers and Sony don't look as good as the previous two films. I, I think some of it is that this film, like, everything was, uh, the film was rendered specifically for 3D. Mm-hmm. And I think that also is kind of a negative for the film, like, watching it now. Like, it doesn't look nearly as, like, crisp as the first film when it comes to, like, CG of the Transformers. Mm-hmm. And in some scenes. Some scenes are kind of fine, because there's lots of CG around them, so it's, it's fine. But when you're, like, integrating the, the CG character with, like, human and real life elements... Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's kind of a little, little rough. Parts where it looks great, parts where, yeah, I agree, it doesn't look as good. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I, I, uh, I did not quite care for Rosie Huntington Whitley, Whit, 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 Whitley, 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 who played uh, Carly in this film. 
I just, I think most of it, I, I don't think the character was too bad. She's pretty decent in written. I just don't think the actress is very good. I just liked her better than Megan Fox. I'm not, I will never argue that she's good. I just like her more than Megan Fox. I liked uh, Michaela a lot her, in the second film. Her mouth actually closes. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of scenes where her mouth is just agape, like, huh? Yeah, but there's also scenes where her lips are touching, which is uh, a first time ever in the series of the female leads' mm. lips touching each other. <laughs> I don't know, Francis McDormand was, had some lips touch. I do like how they just handled him not being with Michaela anymore. You know, like, obviously we had all the behind-the-scenes stuff of her getting canned. Um, yeah. But I like that it was just like, oh no, they broke up, you know? They were high school sweethearts, and they're and he's an adult now. You don't stay with the mm-hmm. first person you kiss for the rest of your life. Uh, what happened with Michaela? Uh, we broke up, I moved on, the end. And I appreciated that, because that's all the explanation you fucking need. I do appreciate this film does call attention to the fact that his mom's like, Oh, she thinks that uh, Carly broke out them. Oh, not again, Sam. You had a hottie, and now you had a second hottie. It's like, <laughs> yeah. What do you have a big schwang? <laughs> <laughs> like how his mom just doesn't understand how he's like smoking hot ladies. Like, which admittedly, in universe, I I don't even understand how him saying I have a medal and doing this stuff in front of her made like this big relationship where she's like supporting him and everything. I don't. I don't think was he, he's that charming. <laughs> I guess he's that charming. I don't. It was. It was he funny, is her but. American boy toy. I think what won her over was breaking the lamp in the White House. Which was... Well, that was a good scene, too. Sam finally being suave for the first time in his existence and ruining it immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't mind. This is my medal. You know, giving me my, my POTUS. POTUS. President of the POTUS. United States. <laughs> um... So, uh, Deep Wang was fucking stupid. I hated most of the office stuff there. I don't... Uh, one thing that was really funny, my grandma this film came out, when Red Letter Media did their review of it, and this is something that was really funny to me, uh, Mike and Jay reviewed the film in shifts. Mm-hmm. So Mike, I think someone went first and halfway through the film they left, and then someone else, <laughs> like, they watched the second half and that's how they did their review. And it, it called great attention to the fact that halfway through this film, like, everything in the first half mostly just goes away. Like, all this stuff with John Malkovich and all this stuff doesn't have any semblance on the rest of the plot for the rest of the film at all. Nope. Because the second half of the film is just, like, straight up military time, Chicago stuff, all this stuff. Totally so different all these films. other things, we're spending all this time doing all these things with all these characters that meant nothing. Yep. We don't need, we don't need um, John Malkovich anymore. Now we have Alan Tudyk, who is, uh, you know, John Turturro's, you know, butler guy. Doing stupid. Sh- I don't know why was this here. I love Alan Tudyk, but why? I don't understand his character. I don't like bringing Simmons back for stuff. Like I didn't understand doing all that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Simmons. I think he gets crazier in every film, and I like that. Uh, I don't I don't understand his Butler character. I, why was this old man like doing like flooring in his house while he's being interviewed by Bill O'Reilly? Why was that there? I don't mm, I don't understand. Me neither. I'm confused, Steve. My, my notes here, I did write, I don't understand why most things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That was a big, big part of my note-taking. It is so funny, like, about maybe 40 minutes in the film, Rachel did say to me, oh, this isn't nearly as bad as I remember it being. And I said, oh, man, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of the film happened. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how I was, too. I, was wa- I explained it to my wife. I was like, okay, honey. Um, this is the worst Transformers movie, in my opinion. This is the bad one. While everyone else is shitting on two, we're shitting on four that we liked. This is the one I think is bad. And as we're starting it, I'm just, we're both like, oh, this isn't that bad. Maybe I'm just remembering it wrong. Then, no, we hated it. We hated it so much. Yeah, I don't. 
It's just, it's a bad movie, guys. It's a bad movie. I, uh, the, 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 the government lady, uh, that Francis McDormand is playing, I, God, I couldn't stand that fucking cunt. Yeah. I'm, I'm in charge out. You fuck you up, Miss Prime. No, shut up. This, this is the titan amongst you. He will crush you like you are nothing. Why are you acting like this? Why is any of this? Why is, why is there always going to be some asshole government person in these fucking films? Yeah, why aren't they just listening to the Transformers at this point? You know, it's just so funny. It's, I mean, I get it. I mean, Michael Bay's like, hoorah, military, boo, government. I, it's always kind of funny to me. It's still I mean, weird, though. He, he didn't make fun of Barack Obama in this film, though. No. So that was good. Uh, uh, I'm looking at the back here. I didn't really... I th- okay. So I mean, honestly, I said, Ding Dongs wasn't even making fun of George Bush, because I'm 1,000% sure that George Bush said that at one point during his presidency. I would be surprised. <laughs> I, don't know, this, I think the way it's framed, like, he's just propped up on his on his bed, you know, at the side, you know, sitting on the side, like, hey, would you mind fetching me some Ding Dongs, darling? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was kind of... It, was, it wasn't framed the best. Yeah, but then Bush shut down, you know, Sector 7. Yeah, fuck him. Fuck them. Fuck their pensions. Uh, um, so... Yeah, I just... I liked how uh, Sentinel immediately did not give a shit about what that woman had to say. But I also have to question why Sentinel was listening to anyone at that point in time, because he just woke up. It's like, hey, Sentinel Prime, I call the shots. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) Like, why do I care? I've been dead for 80 years, and you're barking orders at me? Mm -hmm. Hey, Optimus, I'm going to start taking over this planet now. Like, right now. Right now, don't mind me. Starting with her. I'll just be right over here. I'll just be right over here, don't mind me. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I didn't mind Carly as much as the character. I just saw a lot of the, the relationship stuff was, was boring. I didn't care for no, it. No, that I agree with. It was totally boring. Um, I liked, uh, then we got, uh, not Linux, um, what is, what is Terry Skipson's character? Epps. Uh, Epps. Epps, yeah, Epps with the Wreckers. That was a fun little bit. Like, they finally show, so funny, like, I remember, the, I thought the Wreckers in this movie way more, and then I'm rewatching, like, oh yeah, they're really not in this film at all. Mm-hmm. They were a huge like, part most, of, like, the marketing, honestly. Yeah, they were because they had like all the like they were like always like specifically like hey come to Target and you get like the you know the Target you know because one of the uh, records is they're all NASCAR cars kind of one of them's like the Target car like whoa like they were making big deals with the toys and then you see the film it's like nope nope not that big of a deal yeah uh this the whole crap with them leaving felt pointless it's like oh we had to trick you guys and think we we died oh. and also why would they believe the Decepticons why would they, they ever believe the Decepticons that they will all leave these Decepticons that keep staying on Earth. And fucking shit up for no reason are just totally only here because they're seven Autobots. And they uh-huh. will absolutely leave and not hurt anyone if the Autobots leave. Why would you believe it? <laughs> it makes no sense. Why would you believe what they said? I, yeah, Why would, that was stupid. Good call on believing the Decepticons. <laughs> I, I wrote this down, this terrible info dump, so I'm just trying to remember what exactly was happening that I had to write that down. Because, I mean, there were in this film, I just can't remember specific examples, where I just felt like there were there was literally characters almost looking at the screen telling the audience what was going on. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of the stuff with the, the space bridge and stuff was very weak. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. It was specifically, like, when uh, when uh, Patrick Dempsey's character was just, like, telling uh, Shia, Shia and um, Rosie, like, all, like, I'm oh, sorry, Sam and Carly... I say character names here. I was just telling him like everything he was doing. I'm like, why are you telling them all this? Like, right. Oh, my my father did this stuff with the Decepticons with NASA and all and blah, 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 going on. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> don't care about any of this. None of this is interesting. 
They're not an interesting enough character. This is not at all related to the plot in any ways possible. The only good thing about his character existing was that Sam hit him in the head with the fucking concrete on a stick. Yeah. Fuck him up. Fucked him up. Uh, then Chicago. Chicago, everything is... It's it's the, it, What happened... Kill me about Chicago, the start of the Chicago fight. It was almost cut like a trailer. Yeah. Like, when they're first doing the assault, it's like stuff happening, cut, like cut to black for like two seconds, then come back to something else, cut to black for two seconds. It is... That is ridiculous. That's 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 how you cut a trailer. Not a actual film yeah. that I am watching. <laughs> Are you kidding me with that? That was ridiculous. And uh, and then just the whole like the, the whole Chicago thing is like the last fifty minutes of the film. It's so long and not good. And even even with that, the final fight is infinitely long. It is tedious. What slayed me is like some of the stupid setups. So at one point, like with the whole Starscream thing, was fucking ridiculously terrible. Yes, it was. How they just bitched him out, and it was it was like, why did you do this? And when they're falling after Starscream's gonna blow up, Bumblebee catches them, and then they get out. And then not literally, it's like literally like three minutes later, Bumblebee is somehow caught by all these Decepticons. Yeah. Also, why are the Decepticons taking prisoners? Also, uh, yeah. why do they not kill the Autobots until the human tells them to? Uh... And also, once the Autobots find out they're definitely going to die, why don't they immediately start fighting back? Especially because yeah, they they're guns. able to kill... Yeah, they have guns built into their bodies. And we are quickly shown that as soon as Bumblebee starts fighting back, granted, with a slight distraction, but as soon as he starts fighting back, he murders anything that's in front of him. Yeah. How did he get captured? Yeah, I don't, it's so confusing me, because, yeah, they, he literally saves Lennox and, and, and Sam, and then, like, minutes later, he's caught with uh, Wheeljack and and everybody else in Mirage. And the rest. And, and then Wheeljack gets murdered. It's like, oh, they killed him. Oh, no. It's like, I don't know who that character is. Yeah. You're doing all these big emotional moments where it's like, like slow music, like you don't have to do this to me, and like they're shooting him. He's like in pain, like why are you doing that? And then you blow his brains out, and he's like, ah, it's like, it's like the sad moment. It means nothing to me as the audience member. Yeah. If you again, if you did that to Bumblebee, I would care. It would matter. Yeah, if you actually fucking had the balls to kill Bumblebee, I'd be like, whoa, shit. So, and that might still happen in the last night. Well, yeah, heard otherwise. he has to become Goldbug. Well, because everything they keep talking about with these Bumblebee spinoffs, like, I'm hearing racist stuff like, it's going to be a Bumblebee spinoff in the 80s. I'm like, oh, that's before this current film, so Bumblebee could totally fucking die. Yeah, I mean, it'd be fair, you know, you get to keep using the Bumblebee character for toys and marketing and stuff for these other mm-hmm. films, um, but you actually get the emotional murder of the character in this film. Yeah, which actually, at this point, will mean something. Because you had Bumblebee for... That would be the fifth film with Bumblebee in it. Like this, But they keep killing these characters that we've had really no attachment to. Mm-hmm. Like, Optimus even dying in the second film was emotional. But it was at the middle of the film, so it didn't have any... If that was the end of the film, like the film ending on a dead Optimus. You'd be like, oh, so you kind of wonder what's going on in the third film. Yeah. But it's like, the, the characters that they actually spend some time with, they do nothing with. They just want to kill these side characters and treat them like killing them as a big... A sad emotional thing and it absolutely was not that it was just bull. uh when Car- carly's big talk with megatron i thought was kind of stupid i kind of liked it because i liked that she showed some initiative and was just like well i see this is not going well for him so i'm gonna roll the dice here and see if this works it may and it makes sense mm-hmm. for the megatron character to actually listen to that and be like this fucking insect's right i'm gonna go fuck this guy up I guess it's the way it went. Like, uh, it's like, to, it's like a big moment. Like, 
are, are you his bitch? Oh, yeah. It's like almost like a pause for the audience to go, ooh. Oh! No one's doing that. Everyone's, you got served. That was dumb. That was dumb. Why does Megatron... I, I, don't, I don't know why is Megatron just sitting over here while there's a battle going on. I don't understand. He's, why, he's tired. God, it's, it, it kills me. Like, I, 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 there's a decent battle between Sentinel and Optimus and all that stuff. But then, like, the whole thing with Megatron... He just dies like in two seconds. Like all of them. Soundwave. Soundwave is terrible. Shockwave was. I didn't even mention the deaths of Shockwave and Soundwave. They are meaningless. They're just cast aside. Like the Autobots are the only characters that actually somewhat matter in these films. The Decepticons don't mean shit. Mm-hmm. And that pisses me off. Because the Decepticons are some of the coolest fucking characters in Transformers. And this film series just treats them, I mean, literally as just nameless mooks that don't do anything. Unless you're Megatron. Megatron, you kind of get something. And Starscream. You, you think would, but even he's below that, where it's just like, aha, I'm Starscream, oh, my eye, oh, my head blows up. Yeah. But I'm Soundwave, I'm a really important fan favorite character. I, I did some stuff in the second film, okay, that's fine, you're building me up. In this film, I'm a, I'm a Mercedes, and then I just kind of laugh and then die. Yep. Ugh. This film wastes fucking Transformers so fucking badly. Yes, it does. They're in this film more... Than the previous films, but they don't do anything of substance, or they're, or you said they are wasted potential, mm-hmm. and it is that that is the probably the biggest sin this film commits for me, and that's thing that's about it. I don't know what else I can really say about this film. That 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 stuff is like the bulk of this film, and it just shits the bed with it. Yeah, it really does. Uh, so unless there's any other final thoughts in this film, don't see this movie. I don't recommend it. And, you know, it's great. We were talking before about how this was supposed to be Michael Bay's last film. Uh, until you look at the box office stuff. Uh, budget, $195 million. Made $1.12 billion. Yep. So it made uh, close to a billion dollars profit. This film was the only reason why Green Lantern did not make a billion dollars. Yeah. Because it came out the week after. Just knocked Green Lantern off the charts. I don't know if Green Lantern would have... Uh... The only reason, Bill... This movie. You know what? The, I, we still say Green Lantern made a lot of money. It is the film itself cost, cost way too much, way, way too much money. Hey, I got an idea. Let's make uh, a two hundred million dollar movie about this fucking space character, this space opera character that isn't Star Wars. That isn't Star Wars. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's about it. I mean, this this film. I hate it now. I was hated it then. I, it bothers me so much that people don't consider this to be the worst of the franchise. I agree. To no end, because this this is just a garbage film. It's by far the um, worst. Like, it's not even a fucking contest. No, it's not. Uh, so, star rating, Steve, for your Transformers Dark of the Moon. Um, I'm going to give this... Uh, I'll give it a one and a half, because I like the human stuff in the beginning. Uh, oddly enough, I also out of that range of lower scores, one and a half is also where I put it. Yeah, because the same thing. Like, there's enough. The good. There's still. I, I like I said, even if I hate them, I'm not gonna say like, oh, see the stars. It's not like the, the Puppet Master Six or any of the yeah, other garbage we reviewed we, before. I think like between the two of us, we've only given like three films zero stars. Uh, Ernest goes to Africa. I gave Never uh, Elm Street remake zero. Yeah, uh, Citizen, did we give Citizen Toxie a zero? No, I gave Citizen Toxie uh, a meh because there was uh, a lot of good stuff in addition to a lot of shit stuff. And then was it, or was it Pub Master, the, the Pub Master Legacy? That was the clip we show. Gave that a, we, we that? gave that a zero. A zero. And I know Ernest Goes to Africa got a zero. Yes. 
I I'll have to, I really gotta try to remember what we also get of zero. Did you give zero. give Hellraiser Revelations a zero? Oh, you know what? I think I might. Have. <laughs> yeah. One of these days, I, I do, uh, I, you know, as we're wrapping up here, I do plan on one of these days, I do want to go back through and make a catalog of what we've given films. It's all it's all ideas if I ever go around to making a proper website for stuff. That would be fun. Uh, just to have a catalog of that. So one of these days, I might go around. Oh, then we, can, oh then we can get ourselves on Rotten Tomatoes and get all the DC movie up. Yeah, we will We will fix the Metacritic scores. Fix and then we'll give uh, a Breath of the Wild a negative review. And destroy the Metacritic score. We destroy the Metacritic score. Oh no! Um, so I would also like to remind folks, as much shit as I talked about it, I gave Power Rangers two out of five. Yeah. Um. So this film is far worse than Power Rangers, as much as I complained about Power no. Rangers. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> this film is worse than that. Oh, Jesus. Because I remember us mentioning that during the Power Rangers episode, where it was like people were saying that movie was better than any of the Transformers films, and we both went, no fucking is, and well, except maybe three. And now after rewatching three, fucking A, like, fuck three. Yeah. Fuck Dark of the Moon. Yeah, fuck this movie. Uh, man, goddamn it, Ball's all At least it gave. Enjoyed that paycheck. Yeah, way to fuck it up, Buzz. I just want to imagine on set, hey, Buzz, we got to having this film about the Dark of the Moon. You know this Moon Conspiracy shit that you punch people in the face over and all this stuff? So, okay. I was like, you're going to come in here, you're going to look at this green tennis ball and say, it's an honor to meet you as a space traveler to another. Okay, bye, Buzz. Get out of here. Thank you, Buzz. Well, at least this movie's Moon Conspiracy was that they were actually there, just doing more. So he's probably okay yeah. with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have to say, Bill... It's kind of a fact that every Transformers movie that has Buzz Aldrin in it is terrible. <laughs> I really hope he's not in Last Night. <laughs> I know Anthony Hopkins kind of looks like Buzz Aldrin. A little bit. Oh, maybe Anthony Hopkins can get us to Mars if Buzz dies. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's just get uh, to Mars for Buzz. It's so important that even Donald Trump didn't axe the Mars plan that Obama enacted. That's how much it matters. Mm-hmm. It's orange like him. <laughs> Oh! 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 Rickety dickety duck! I always gotta put those um, dice references in here. If you want to email us and give give us your thoughts on this film, or you want to have some cool dice man conversations, email us at moviefilmsabilityvgmail.com. That's where you can get in touch with us. All of our episodes are listed at moviefilmsabilityvgmail.com. It's all very nice and neat and succinct. And then as far as social media and other subscription services go, you can find us on Facebook. Just look at Movie Films Mel Steve. Give us a like. Leave a message. You know, we still have some empty holes in the rest of the year as far as planning goes. So if, there, if you want to give us some suggestions on a film you'd like us to watch and review within reason, uh, feel free to post it. We, we love uh, audience suggestions on stuff. Always willing to uh, listen and take that in consideration. And we are also on iTunes. Just uh, look up uh, Movie Films Will Steve, like I keep saying. Uh, subscribe. Leave a five-star review with a review. Actually, a written review about it. That'd be nice because it helps with logistics and statistics and metrics and ics of other types and such. Gives more eyes on the product, I guess. And we're also on Stitcher. You can find us on our website or their mobile app. And as always, I am on Twitter at LovableBill. And folks, you can check out my movies, uh, silverspotlightfilms.com, facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms, uh, carousel.com, still pushing that fucking movie. You know, you should buy it before it's in stores. Yeah. Um, cause then we get the money directly. <laughs> um, and you can check out me being a superhero, facebook.com slash the amazing spider Steve. 
Fantastic. Well, as always, guys, I've been and Bill. And I've been Steve. How doomed you are, Autobots. You simply fail to understand that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. You die. <laughs>